So, Sebastian, I have two very important Ryan Mancini, Mars and Life podcast. Two very important questions to ask you. Mm. Uh, first one is: Do you know or have you heard of the song by Don Henley, "Dirty Laundry"? No, I do not. God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, that's. I'm afraid I can't go that much further into it outside of like describing the song without Don Henley or Irving Azoff coming after me. But uh, sure. <sighs> It's the song that has the kick them when they're up, kick them when they're down. Right, right, right. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe I just, maybe I just needed. I make my living off the evening, off the evening news. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I just needed a little bit of a, a refresher. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So that's question number one. Yes. Have you, I don't know if you've had any more thoughts spring to mind or pondering since our uh state of the union episode or since we saw the state of the union and i only ask that too because it seems to me like for some reason out of all the recent state of the unions between trump's and i don't even really remember obama's last one this one is still getting talked about despite the fact that it was a big meh from a grade standpoint from a lot of people in in media spheres or from a grade standpoint yeah like there was less coverage of it and that's why it it didn't it mm. didn't rank on the political richter scale or no it just like okay it's it's a it's a state of the union address but like what else is there to it but like, like republic but like republicans got mad at certain <clears throat> points and and it was a democrat giving the speech i mean that's that's just commonplace and it ten and it tends to be flip flopped, you know, depending on who the speaker is. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't that a point that we covered? It was. It was. I mean, what's funny too is even. I mean, I just find it. I, I found it met my expectations. The people who I believed were to have a reaction to the words coming out of Joseph Biden's mouth <clears throat> did, in fact, have a reaction. And more often than not, it was not a positive one. More often than not, it was a McCarthy eye roll or a Ted Cruz smirk. So the sooner we realize that politicians are are not united as we indeed do stand, uh, the better we the the faster we can get this charade over with and go back to uh and living our lives post 1984 too. So <clears throat> further thoughts? No. And that's and that's just because I think we did, and this is kind of stroking our egos a little bit. I think we did a phenomenal job, not only in experimenting with that episode because that episode was a first of its kind, mm-hmm. but there's not too much terribly that I would want to delve into. We, it, it's like we said at the end of that episode, we could have delved into Huckabee's rebuttal. Why? Why? Yeah, if it's just going to be Republicans pissing and moaning about how it it's not what we stand for. OK, well, it's what some people stand for. That's why um, uh, those who did elect him. Us. <laughs> uh, put him there. <laughs> not all of us. And, you know, I, I, I've kind of grown this. I've grown this sentiment. You know, we, we do have to share the earth that we're on. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah, we ha- we have to share it uh, so much so that 
the White House has to be like, oh my god, we don't know what to do about climate change. Uh, uh, get Elon Musk, he'll help us. Um, there was a there was a video, though, that I did see when I was out today, and mm -hmm. it was one of those things where it's I don't know who the speaker's name is, but basically he asked, I need you to tell me what you think these statistics I'm going to bring up are resemblant of the NFL or the NBA. And then he proceeds to list off a bunch of statistics going about how X amount had drug overdoses, X amount were drinking and driving, X amount hired prostitutes, X amount <clears throat> did this, did that, did that. NBA or NFL. And then like a second later, he goes, you're both wrong. It was all 435 members of Congress or something like some percentage of all members of Congress. And I'm just like, oh, there's the there's the kicker. You know, <laughs> of course, it wasn't going to be one or the other. It's going to be how uh, you can't have your man fucks man argument, not to mention man fucks environment argument mm -hmm. without giving me a little kick in the nads to. uh I mean, if anything, that that I don't even know if it was a joke or if it was just satiricism because they were playing it up like, oh, these two sports that 99% of the population watches. Honestly, I'm probably the only 1%, so <laughs> I'm not even going to cite my sources on that one. Hey, we're both the 1% in that yeah, one. So Yeah, it makes you believe that like, oh, which sports league is actually worse? And then, it, and then it's... Mm -hmm. both both wings of the same bird so to answer your question no no further thoughts um i mean has there been any uh breaking developments or any backlash I mean, uh, I'm, sure that, I'm sure there's backlash but well it's it's hard to say in terms of backlash there's certainly been a couple more <clears throat> excuse me a couple more observations since then a certain expression that he kept using over and over in the speech that I know has drawn... This is kind of the one thing that's drawn the most attention because he kept saying, finish the job. Finish the job. Yeah, we gotta finish the job! You know, and... You know, what? what's so curious about him saying that is that for a lot of the media sphere, it's given them the idea that, well... He's testing out a campaign slogan. Obviously, he's already a month late in terms of... Supposedly, we were going to know in January. But he's late in saying whether or not he's going to actually run again. And so far, he's basically said, I intend to run. That's still not exactly... For, for a lot of people, that's still not enough. That's still not saying, I am running again. I'm of two minds of this. One, there's the media conversation about it which is oh he's testing a new campaign slogan because he's actually going to run in 2024 my line of thinking is he says finish the job he's got two years left as president is this his way of basically saying you know what let's get the job done so i can leave in 2025 and mm -hmm. hand the keys to the castle to somebody else because why would you say finish the job at the start of the second half of your first term if you intend to run again? That gives me the idea, and obviously it's, it's we're talking about a political animal who I don't think has any sense of time. <laughs> you know, like, right, right. Why, why would you say finish the job if you know, if you get reelected, uh, you still have another four years on the job? Maybe finish the job, like undoing, undoing the previous administration. 
which is what he effectively spent the first two years doing. Well, he he kept saying finish the job with all the usual things about like so what help. democrat what democrats have been fighting for since campaign Clinton. campaign points that he hasn't you know lived up to mm -hmm. like you know infrastructure healthcare um all these things that like he could be driving the conversation like this is the thing that i think people don't realize is that and i know i i made i made a reference to it regarding um college debt how he's got immense power to deal with that but he just refuses to use it he's like the world's worst jedi this is arguably why despite all of his shortcomings and why there are those out there that call obama the obungler why obama was able to be so popular all throughout his presidency because he just kept going on the freaking view and selling it to people whereas biden basically just turns around and I kid you not I know that this is a broken record I, I I will keep banging on this gong until he's out of office but he literally just turns around and tells people in Congress come on man finish the job and it's like you're president you could literally lead the discussion if you wanted to but like Trump he doesn't he just says oh go do the thing you know the thing and then saunters off to Poland. I'm of two minds of it. Yeah, it could be a, a, the start of a campaign slogan. Or maybe he's made, maybe he has actually made up his mind. But then he does interviews like he did this week where he's being all uh, Lloyd Bridges from Seinfeld where he's like, you know, oh, watch me, big guy. And he's, you know, slowly punching Jerry in the stomach and Jerry doesn't feel a thing because it's an old freaking man who thinks he's Rocky but he's more like Mickey and the fact that he's all oh oh watch me he does the, he does this kind of creepy thing like it, it's <laughs> and you're sitting there thinking like no I don't want a president who can do push-ups I want or who says he can do push-ups I want a president who can like lead a do country anything. Right about now, the one person that actually could hold the key to the answer if Joe was going to run again, and I haven't heard his name be brought up at all, and I'm frankly shocked and surprised given how many strings he pulled after he bungled it in 2016 with Hillary and, and his whole threatening to get into the mix if Bernie was to become the nominee in 2020. I'm surprised that Obama hasn't been brought up this week in terms of the whole re-election talk. Because he, he at this point really is the, the leader of the party and the kingmaker. And he straight up told Joe in 2016, or 2015, uh, let Hillary have it, it's her turn. Joe was like, you know, okay, fine. Yeah, for a while, Obama didn't actually... It didn't sound like Obama was going to endorse Joe right away in 2020. He went all in for him. And people ate that up because people, for some reason, like to see Barack and Joe together. Right now, I could see him be like, you know, Joe, party wants to move forward. You're in the past. Hand the keys to somebody else. Uh, maybe hand it to the guy from Indiana who sounds like me. Otherwise, figure it out. But you shouldn't do it. Not anymore. Not again. Remember the first time you did it? You had a stroke. I don't think he had a stroke. He had like a he 
something happened to him in 1988 that basically kicked him out of the race. And that was obviously, like, a long enough time ago, but suffice it to say he did not win because that's how we got Poppy Bush that year. That was his nickname, Poppy. Yeah. Poppy. Ew. Poppy, yeah. Nasty. Um, so so anyway, yeah. I mean, th those are sort of the the other takeaways from the State of the Union that aren't really substantial to everyday people, obviously, mm -hmm. because okay, fine. The president may or may not run for president again. How does that help uh, a starving family in literally anywhere in the country? How does it help them now? Yeah. Unless you have some young hotshot politicians saying, I'm going to be there for you. And right about now... Me? <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> and right about now, there's no one. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's all the same names that we've had since... I, I'm not kidding. The same names we've had for about 11 years that all ran in 2020 and got completely flattened you're going to have a guy approaching 90 in the White House. I think, you know, Franklin Roosevelt, had he not had the brain aneurysm, and I could be completely wrong. And I mean, the guy in of himself was a political animal too, just like Biden. But I also think he probably would have had the fortitude to say, one more and I'm done. Like, I think he would have, <laughs> if he had lived, I think he would have finished out his fourth term and then handed it off to... Harry Truman. And and it's weird too. Like I, I do think about our election and political talk episodes and mm -hmm. like yeah, I fit them in. I fit those topics in every now and then, but just to, to have just like to a kind of just to kind of do like a checkup. You know, where yeah. are we in in relative to space and the opinions that we shared previously and the ones that we're going to be sharing now. So, well, and I think too uh this was another thought that I had earlier, just thinking about, okay, but why why would people want to actually go out and reelect someone of the age that Biden is at to be president again? And getting to talk about just like why people choose to do things politically, or or maybe not even just politically, aesthetically. I don't know. I mean, it's it's something that we really haven't. I mean, we haven't talked about it in a while. And certainly, I, you know, I, I certainly don't want listeners to think, oh, well, you know, he's not as bad as Trump. And when there's a Democrat in office, they're going to have less antagonistic coverage from anybody left of uh, Nick Fuentes. There we go. I actually had forgotten about him. <laughs> like, like no one, no one else is actually going to care. I will say, brief note that, you know, anybody wants to see a really great reaction to the State of the Union, watch Anna Kasparian's, just because I think there's a lot of people out there that I think feel the way she does that aren't on the right, and, like, I've seen her angry in person, but holy cow, this was, I, th I felt it. In the words of Darth Vader, she was alive, I felt it. Um, but, <laughs> but... Damn, you're more fired. You're more fired up than Anita Sarkeesian seeing Sargon of a cod in her crowd. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. In all of our discussions, where we don't bring up the the latest of what's going on with uh, yeah Joe no. Vibin. I mean, it, it's Joe <laughs> um, Vibin. It's it's kind of like Mo I, Bamba. I, I, <laughs> Mambo number five. 
you know, it, it, I mean, part of it is also because there isn't just as much of, there isn't as much attention on him, obviously, as there was with Trump. Um, you know, I remember someone I knew uh, a while back was like, well, Biden's boring, so that's why he gets less coverage. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. Biden's boring. You see him fall down those stairs? If if you, like, leave a camera on him long enough, that's the thing. There were people out there that voted for, for him for the comedy. Like, they looked at Biden and Trump as, okay, he's the old comedy. This is the new guy. The, you know, okay, Johnny I come mean, lately. This is the new kid could, in town to you could even borrow trace from it, an Eagles song. You could trace it back further. You ever see Obama without a teleprompter? It's hysterical. Hmm. I yeah. Just just type in Obama teleprompter fails. You'll see a compilation. Interesting. And I think and okay. I think one of the biggest jokes was like, man, th th this Fallout New Vegas is is even more stutter stuttery than Obama without a teleprompter. And as I'm stutter stu stuttering, fuck. <laughs> oh my god. It's okay, even, Joey. It's okay. Can't even prove my own point. So, something else as well that uh, you hinted at earlier that I do mm -hmm. think needs to be... Well, I don't know if it needs to be delved into, but certainly no. we can talk no, about it, it. No, it doesn't. It please, doesn't? The, please the no. Hogwarts whatever <laughs> game? I definitely don't want to go into it at the extent that individuals taking a stance against, yes, it, admittedly a very problematic individual specifically a problematic author espousing problematic opinions jk rowling just does <laughs> look here's the thing you liked the books as a kid and and i feel as if i'm speaking for a large majority or not maybe i'm just speaking through myself and vicariously hoping that it touches someone you liked the books as a kid you understand that it was you understand that it was a work of fiction and you understand now at the mental capacity to have a vague idea of sociopolitics around you but still not know how to log out of twitter when you need to <laughs> that this author that you've put on this pedestal has now fallen from grace based off of let's just say a ridicule and bastardization of a certain demographic of people okay for us especially growing up i would assert i'm not going to assume i would assert that interests change over time mm -hmm. and we grow out of franchises and ips that perhaps seemed childish to us initially at least that's how it was for me because yeah. there comes a certain point where Sorry to say, I, I as much as I liked Harry Potter, I wouldn't want to read it again. I've seen the movies. I know which one that I like the best is. And that's that. Do I go to PotterCon 2024? Do I go on the Harry Potter forums wondering what's going to happen next? Am I a proprietor of uh, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? No, no, and no. Okay. Do I play video games? Yes. Does the video game look good? Also, yes. It, it really does. It really does. It looks like, a, and I hate to say this, a true next-gen experience, but I'm, of course, speaking to my, for myself when I say that. Maybe I'm speaking 
to someone else as well. But it's clear that the opinions of this author still ring true to the hearts of many that wish to boycott anything associated with Harry Potter. And as much as there may be reasoning for that, it's not that I don't care about the language associated with it, which of course is bad. It's that I can't spend my day worrying about how that disconnect can't be made. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That individuals in their 20s and 30s are still holding on to franchises as if they were still children and thus internalizing these these issues. Mm -hmm. and, and I say that because like our celebrity rants, they don't or our Star Wars rants. They don't give a fuck about you. They're not they're not looking to you for new for new material on what to put in this game. They want yeah. you to buy a product. Okay. Yep. JK Rowling does not give a fuck about you, even if her comments towards transgender individuals were not even made in the first place. It's not that she hates your guts, although that probably takes on a new meaning now, now that she's probably that now that she's definitely vocalized it more so, uh, disdain. But she's also like stupidly rich. Like the whole the whole the old adage was she was she's when right. uh, Elizabeth was alive was that she was richer than the queen. So right. it's like and with that level of wealth, it's like, yeah, we're all we're what are I we? I, I find issue in the fact that the dialogue needs to happen and how these individuals aren't recognized. That's what I find issue in. Of course, I would want to advocate change for that. I can't advocate for spending my days hating this woman. I also can't advocate these individuals who spend their time advocating for hating this woman to assemble a list systematizing who is streaming Hogwarts Legacy. And essentially, it's it's like a doxing slash cancel list. They even have it named list of streamers for those streaming that Harry Potter game. I think they don't I have, have I think I have heard of this because I think Hassan Piker brought it up mm -hmm. and basically was like the game looks cool, but I'm not gonna play it because you know what? It's not none of it's worth it at the end of the day. You know when I'll play it? Five years later when it goes on sale. It, it It's a game. It's a franchise that I've effectively grown out of, and I'm seeing here that I don't know if it's individuals that want to tie this political issue to the books that they held so high in high regard as kids, and that's why it hurts a lot more, or it's the fact that an individual who also happens to be an author, who wrote best-selling books, happens to have shitty opinions, and thus we're going to be judging the entirety of what made the books great, or not, you may have hated Harry Potter, on that one point. It's not as if individuals cared about her opinions back then. We couldn't, because she right. didn't vocalize them back then. We, we were none the wiser. So It was a different world. I mean, no one was talking about, you know, trans issues... The right. way that they're, it's being discussed now, I also think that there's a lot to be said. And I, you know, if if I had to recommend anybody sort of get a more of a deep dive on this, um, and there's, to my knowledge, no other way to really describe the name of this person's channel on YouTube, but I do recommend it. Um, Verily Bitchy, she basically talks about the fact that, like, okay, yeah, 
there's the elephant in the room with J.K. Rowling. Right. Then she also brings up the fact that there's also the entire consumerist dystopia, which is borrowing yeah, you know. part of a name of one of her uh, videos. And I should note, too, or preface this, what I'm about to say with this. Um, I, I mean, I everything you said, I stand for and applaud and I am in complete agreement on. And I will add that I think a lot of the people out there that go out of their way to do these bloody Thomas Paine pamphlet-esque essays on what it means to be a Harry Potter fan, like as if they're Bertrand Russell talking about what it means to be an atheist, like it's right. just... It, it's well, just kind of amazing. Well, it, 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 amazes it makes me. me it makes me um, wonder too because you can have essays like that that are very profound, but when you write them, are you writing them because you are attempting to capture a perspective that feels that you feel goes unrepresented or underrepresented, or are you writing this because it's your perspective? And you secretly hope that it'll touch the lives of many so that you won't feel alone in the person who wrote this essay. Because that's my main point. When someone emphasizes, great point, by the way, what it means to well, be a Harry Potter. Well, that was also a preface. I haven't gotten to my point yet. Uh, okay, well, let me let me tang tangent that off and okay. just sort of ask this question. Sure, what does it mean to be a Harry Potter fan? Well, to me, it meant that wizards shoot shit out of wood sticks and there was a clear good versus evil there was someone that i could root for and you could grow up with these characters as you grow up ideally people yeah. age right now i say the sort i keep making references to the sorcerer's stone because it really is my favorite movie in the series and i really do think it's one of if not sorry fanboys one of if not the only movie and book in the series worth watching and or reading because hmm. it truly does have some of the best literary and plot devices and also plot armor and fucking holes as big as Swiss cheese in the story. <laughs> now, granted, now granted, of course, you're not going to fit all the story in one book. Sorcerer's Stone is like this big. Yeah, it's thin. First two it's, books are pretty thin. Very thin. I'm not even going to get into in to the MacGuffin that is the Sorcerer's Stone, the Philosopher's Stone, as canonically, that, that's what it is. One hour later. Element of matter consolidated into a rock that can potentially turn lead into gold. I mean, it's it's stupid bullshit alchemy that people were fucking about in, in the Middle Ages with, okay? It, it's not real, but that's why it's fun, okay? Right. It's the possibility that it could happen, and it's the possibility of, oh, well... The bad guy wants money and wants fame and wants notoriety and ultimately wants to kill the boy who kind of lived through it all through the attempt. Yeah, I, I do think and I'll just finish my point up here. OK, right I think I still remember what I was going to say. Yeah. So the aesthetic of Harry Potter merchandise, you know, and the consumerist dystopia that we live in, thanks to the Harry Potter world, which in a lot of ways does follow the traditions of your he-mans and your even planet of the apes tried getting into the action figure consumerist lunchbox whatever dystopia and obviously the 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 biggest one of them all star wars literally since day one um harry potter because there was such an obsession with 
the franchise as it progressed, there was also this whole mindset of being part of that universe and you could get your robes and you could be put into a house. And, you know, in some ways what I'm saying is kind of a Cliff Notes version of what's in Verily Bitchy's video, which I, I genuinely do recommend. And even though, even though there's a lot of the Harry Potter essay, written essay or video essay thing that I, I just get bored over, this was actually pretty good because for the most part it does leave out the current or at least the ongoing controversies with Rowling and I, 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 I do look at it similar to how you and I have bemoaned other fandoms where it's kind of like it doesn't need to be a lifestyle choice. It was something you liked as a kid. You know, sometimes you, you move on and it was something fun growing up. I mean, I was fairly close to the same age that Harry was when the first movie came out. So, and, you know, I was, I was Harry Potter for Halloween when I was really young. So was I. I yep. It was, you know, like, but the thing too was like, I wasn't inundating myself the way that like a lot of people in high school were, because when I was in high school, that was when the movies ended and yeah. mm -hmm. that buzz that, oh my God, the last Harry Potter movie, when right. we thought it was going to be over, mm -hmm. um, that was a big deal. And I'll admit, even for me, I was like, I can't wait. I'm excited. And at the time, it was something that, that's just that's just it. Growing up, the Harry Potter franchise was like any other franchise for me. It was like your Star Wars. Sure. Like, it, it was like it was a Jurassic a, Park. Like, I was, was all in. It was like a Doctor Who. Right. And that was the closest that I could equate it to because, like Harry Potter, my Harry Potter days were short-lived just as much as my Doctor Who days were short-lived because... For me, it was pretty much Eccleston and that's it. Right. You know, even though I dressed up as David Tennant for Halloween one year, it was just like, man, I I didn't see myself trying to shield myself in a sea of IP, if that right. makes sense. You know, I, I yeah. it, it felt very impostery, you know, and, and I hung with kids. I hung around with kids who would deck out their backpack in pins full of video games and and TV shows and, and things that you would find in a hot topic. I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. Fair. Okay? Very fair. It's it's a cultural thing. It's it's definitely conversational. I mean, you have those pins on your on your bag. You may as well just say, oh, you go on. I fucking love sciences Facebook page, too. Like, I'm join our click. I don't know. I mean, it's. I'm, I'm sort of stumbling over my words here because I don't know if we should continue the conversation for the sake of judge it as a video game and don't let the politics bother you. Well, or, actually, you are you're you're, you're starting yeah. to step a little bit into what my I still haven't gotten to my point. <laughs> or, or let the politics bother you and just don't play the game. But okay, right. well, it, I, and and at this point, I've already forgotten the rest of my preface, so I'll just get to the my point. Um, good, good. You know. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. I, I certainly went along with the franchise and, you know, each successive movie I was like, oh, this is cool. But I didn't, you know, the the way I approached it still wasn't the same as how I approached Star, uh, Star Wars. And I think part of that was also because with the Harry Potter films, it was something that also my family, you know, went along with. Like, that's the thing. I saw every Harry Potter movie with my family and it was a special thing because, like, 
part of the reason why we saw the movies was through Warner Brothers. So, and that made it all the more fun because you felt like you were within, you felt like you were within the, uh, within the space, within the sphere, whatever. Like you felt like you were, you were, you were asked on this very special journey, much like getting a Hogwarts letter. Like it was, it was cool like that. Um, and, and I, I, I certainly would never take that away from, you know, how old was I? I mean, I wasn't 11, but whatever, eight-year-old me. Like, I certainly would never take that away because as a kid, that was awesome. And I will add, too, this still isn't my point, but I will add, too, up until that point, we really never had a franchise where kids could grow up with the characters. For a lot of us, that really did feel special just because there were a lot of people that felt similar to Harry or Neville or Luna Lovegood. Like, there was that feeling of, well, we're all misfits and we all feel stomped on and whatever. But again, the consumerist aspect also really hyped everything up in such a way that, unfortunately, and this is the point, one of the many points that Verily Bitchy makes in her video, and it looks like she's got other videos that gets to what I'm getting at about how, long story short, the title is Separating Art Versus the Artist Doesn't Work for Harry Potter. Um, admittedly, I haven't seen that video, but um, it's basically this idea of, well, how do you be an ally? How do you be somebody who stands against the kinds of things that J.K. Rowling says, but still be a Harry Potter fan? And admittedly, that's something I've... Question. And okay. again, I, I don't mean to interrupt you again, but take the, but take that same question. Mm -hmm. How do you be an ally, but also how do you be a Harry Potter fan? Well, what if you're an ally, but no longer a Harry Potter fan like myself? What if you just wanted to play what's essentially a, a gorgeous video game and right. you're judging well, it on that? And, and, and I, I think like take like take the consumerist argument out of it for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And put yourself in the shoes of just someone who wants to play a video game who happens to have grown up with Harry Potter, but doesn't make it his or her lifestyle and just is basing it on, Oh, well, the, the game looks good. And I have the system to play it on. Yeah. You know, like, like what then? And like, are you still separating the artist from the art? Cause we can go back to the Kanye discussion in which place we could say, uh, music sucks. Artist sucks. Case closed. And the well, racism doesn't help. You so you know. You know. Here's the thing, and I know this was something. This was a point that when Hassan did his video about it, which he he just kind of wanted to do a one and done. I think he subsequently talked about it, but his argument was basically the fact that look, there is the whole oh well, just boycott it. You know, the problem is is that money has already been spent making this game. It's not like J.K. Rowling herself, meaning. You know, it's not like she was working at whatever software production, video game production company. She, basically, she wasn't the one who made this video game. It was hundreds, if not thousands, of other people. So if you're going to, quote-unquote, boycott it, number one, it doesn't matter because the money's already been spent to make it. Warner Brothers has already been like, make it so. On top of that, people are still going to buy it. It's not going to... Unless there actually is a substantial, like, hit and the game is a financial flop and didn't make, you know, make whatever returns. Okay, or, or fine. The game maybe sucks. Maybe, and, or maybe it's... Yeah. I and I, I can't say because I've heard very little reviews about, like, glitches or anything akin to, like, Cyberpunk. Right. Regardless. Right, same. You know, I think 
if anything, to say, well, I'm going to boycott it, number one, the boycott is ineffective. And number two, yeah, you're standing up against something that is adjacent to what she created, but if anything, you're negating, not negating, but you're, you're, whatever cause you think you're having, it's more going against the developers and less so against the creator of this overall regime, this overall IP. So, you know, if anybody wants to go out and play it, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look, hunt people down and, and get my billy club and go after people for it. If they want to play it, fine. I mean, for goodness sake, like, on one hand, I've had very passionate arguments with relatives about the whole J.K. Rowling thing. They get passionate because, you know, yeah, I do consider myself an ally, but I, this goes back to my whole matter of principle thing, where, especially now, where the way trans people are demonized in this country, it's, it, I mean, it's appalling and it's disturbing, and I think you know, my argument in the past has been, it says an awful lot when not only do the actors that play Harry, Ron, and Hermione are standing up to J.K. Rowling, Rafe finds Voldemort himself is like, yeah, I don't agree with that. Like, it really says something when the Hitler of your universe <laughs> is like, right, mm, right. yeah, right. I don't like, that's not cool. But then on the other hand, like, I could have those same relatives turn around and like be like, "Hey Ryan, we got nothing better to do because you know plague. Want to build? You know, I I got Hogwarts Castle Lego set. You want to build it? I mean, I like Legos. Yeah. And the thing is, is like saying no to building a Lego is not going to hurt J.K. Rowling in any way because guess what? As I said before, she's richer than the freaking British monarchy. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> Expressing how much you hate J.K. Rowling in any way isn't going to... And sorry right. for sounding it's so gonna... sullen. It's not going to negatively impact her. And and that's what's so sad because I think for a lot of individuals who have who have legitimate grievances, who are affected by these comments, they're speaking this as if something will happen. And it's just like, it, it won't. Like J.K. Right. Rowling doesn't give a fuck about you whether or not you're trans or not number one that's just her batshit opinion you know that she put on twitter but number two it's like she wouldn't have even cared if you were a fan of her work or not she would have cared about the money that was rolling in i guarantee you that but there's a clear uh balance sheet uh in her favor right 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 and i almost want to say like to those who are buying this game out of like not so much support for J.K. Rowling, but, like, in spite of transgender individuals, it's like, okay, well, then now you're just... Well, you're just a bigot. I mean, you're, you're I mean... just a bigot and a, and a bully at that point. Like, now, Yeah, so it's just one of those things where it's like, I really want to play. I really want to play, really play the Last of Us 2 card and just be like, how about you judge it as a game? But at the same time, as beautiful as this game looks... And given the fact that the pandemic is still out ongoing, to the best of my knowledge, it hasn't stopped. Given the fact that I'm not as much of a diehard Harry Potter fan as I want to say as I was. I wasn't even back then as a kid. I just thought it was cool. Right. It's a game that I probably realistically won't be picking up unless the, the off chance of, hey, this game's on sale. Oh, wow, that, that game from five years ago, you know? 
I'm surprised. Well, I'm surprised Rowling hasn't fled to her uh, her private moon colony by this point. <laughs> How's she even getting money from us now? Well, and and think of it this way too. And I know, and I, I might have said this to you before we started recording when we were hinting at talking about Harry Potter. And look, it's taken up as long as it has. I fine by me. Um, but I I would almost argue there hasn't really been something great from the Harry Potter universe, or at least with the franchise since at least 2011. You know, and, and think of it this way, too, and this is the thing that I always have to sort of shake myself to remember, or better yet, I just do the Spock thing and put my hand on my face and go, remember. 2011, the series ended, and like before anybody could catch a breath, we're doing a prequel! And then five years later, we got Fantastic Beasts 1, and I know there were some people that made similar complaints with Batfleck because it's like, uh, we literally just said goodbye to a Batman. Do we really need to bring in a new one? It's just funny because this is also all around the same time that people are getting hyped by the fact that Star Wars was coming back. And little did we know that this was basically going to be pretty much life for the next decade of, hey, remember that old franchise that was over because it either ended great or ended poorly? Guess what? Now it's going to keep going forever. And, and I know this is where we differ, but again, like every Harry Potter movie, every new one, you know, I, I took a huge bite out of every single one and loved what I tasted. It was each successive film I thought was terrific. Half-Blood you know, Prince, really? You know what? I, I certainly <laughs> like it a I, lot. I hated, I hated uh, Order of the Phoenix. I couldn't do it. I couldn't That's... finish the book. And I couldn't watch the movie. It was that, just, that honestly, that's that and Deathly Hallows Part One or Two that I I kind of don't want to go back because let me I'll just say one of the other things with the Harry Potter franchise that has me that much less of a fan mm -hmm. other than J.K. Rowling because I you know again I, I I find her views deplorable and I I find it pretty and, and this is basically the argument I would make also outside of the the fact that like. The cast was against it. Even Eddie Redmayne was against it. The other factor is the fact that this was a woman who, for so many young people, she gave them hope that, you know, being different, for whatever reason, being not being mainstream, whatever, like, the fact that she gave a lot of those young people that kind of hope, but then turned around and sounded no different than the villains that she created in her own series... It, it, I mean, for the people that still look back on look back on the franchise for what kind of hope it inspired in people, I do understand where and and look. Obviously, there's the whole we'll disassociate, disassociate. But if you're growing up and you know you you're you're trying to discover who you are and what your identity is. Meanwhile, there's this one this one bit of media, and you know, in a world where everyone is consumed by media and consumes media. To have that one thing that gives you some feeling of how you feel and what you're doing and what you're experiencing is all normal and it's all what everybody goes through and it doesn't make you a bad person, I, I get it. And, you know, in a way, being one of those people, I do get it. But you do reach that point where you're thinking to yourself, okay, when, when can I elevate myself above the medium? Because, mm -hmm. yes... Obviously, I'm I'm a straight white guy, but despite all of the whatever message Harry Potter imparted on me, the franchise imparted on me at a young age, 
I don't carry it around with me like a trophy or, or something that, you know, is something I need to, you know, spread to the mountaintops. Like it, it's, it's a part of my past. It's a part of my childhood and I'm at a different stage in my life because I'm an adult approaching 30. So mm-hmm. I think, and, 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 you know, it's similar to how I am with Star Wars. Like at this point, I really don't care. I really don't get, care anymore at all about Star Wars. Don't get me wrong, I love, I still love the original trilogy, I still get a smile on my face when I watch them. Hell, I'll go back and even watch, like, there's even some prequel stuff I'll go back to, like, I'll admit it. But, for out of the gate, we got a movie that reminded us how crappy our own time is. Mm-hmm. Because you watch that first Fantastic Beasts movie, and it screams, screams of 2016 America. Look, I understand there's a, a, a history, especially coming from Warner Brothers. I know there's a history of creating films that reflect the times that they're made in. Warner Brothers killed it, and arguably it's why it's what elevated them to be one of the best studios in Hollywood back in the tw- uh, 30s and 40s with movies that reflected upon the Depression and World War II. I mean, let's face it, that's Casablanca came out during this period. A movie that is supposed to be based off of a kids book films slash film series and you're taking in elements of america's xenophobia circa 2016 with very trump-esque figures and then you throw in the weird uh execution scene which i would argue is probably darker than anything i ever saw in the original eight movies i thought this was going to be basically like a david attenborough series but all the creatures were Harry Potter, you know, monsters or whatever. Like, how did we, how did it go from something that made it seem like it was going to be fun and, and kind of educational, even though all the animals are fiction, to literally something that came out of, like, a Fox News nightmare? And then from there, it just kept getting more and more dour, and, and you're like, oh, you're basically just doing The Hobbit, but with Harry Potter. The whole idea, and I remember talking about it when I worked at Warner Brothers, I shared it as part of the tour when walking through the portion of the original archive that featured the Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts um, items and uh, costumes, was that, you know, there's not a lot known about Fantastic Beasts 3, but the most that we do know is that, you know, the first movie was set in the United States, second movie... It was sort of for the most part in England slash, I think, Paris. Um, and that the third movie was going to be set in Brazil. Well, suffice it to say, with all those damn rewrites that they thankfully had time for thanks to the pandemic, the movie wasn't even set in Brazil. It was set like everywhere else in the world, including uh, pre-Nazi Germany, which, again, that third movie, and it didn't help that the second movie did this too, but that third movie especially... Hey, we want you to remember the Nazis. Isn't this supposed to be about cute, fuzzy, magical creatures? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what is this? Oh my god! Like, and then it ends... Sebastian, the third movie ends with a rigged election. Where it's basically like, you've got this, this bizarro like, United Wizards of the World, United Nations, electing a president. And I'm sitting there looking at my parents, because my, somebody got it, I forgot how exactly we, I think we, we just, 
we got like a screen. I don't remember how we got it. Regardless, I'm sitting there looking at my parents, losing my freaking mind that after all these years, we're still making one giant Donald Trump allegory with Harry goddamn Potter, and we have to end it reminding people of the 2020 presidential election with something that is so fucking retconned. You know, I feel like this would have been a really loud-ass plot point in the original Harry Potter series, but I don't remember a goddamn thing about it, and that's because it didn't freaking exist. It went so off the rails, and... I'm glad, and, and obviously you want to really talk about Off the Rails, I already talked about it off air, but Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Fan fiction up the wazoo, despite the fact that it was co-written by J.K. Rowling. But literally, it's like she saw Force Awakens and thought, I want to do that. Allegedly, the new head of Warner Brothers is thinking of trying to bring, he wants Harry Potter to come back. Not in the form of Fantastic Beasts. People want Hogwarts, people want... All the things that all the 30 to 40 year old millennials remember, which could theoretically mean bringing back the original cast, despite the fact that they're all like, yeah, I'm good. You know, eh, I, I'm, I'm going to school or I'm going to be in the next M. Night Shyamalan movie or yeah, but I, I want to hang out with Weird Al Yankovic for Weird 2, Electric Boogaloo. You know, that's not in development, but I'd watch it if it was. Um because Weird was a great movie. Oh my god, Daniel Radcliffe. Anyway, if people want to play the game, you know what, it's a, it's just another video game. If you're going to make it part of your identity as a Harry Potter fan, which I think at this point Harry Potter fans have a real uh, identity crisis going on with just with J.K. Rowling being who she is. But let's not forget too, and I think this does get a little bit back to that point I was trying to make for so long. When When she sold the rights to the franchise after, I think, the first book, the whole notion of making this a consumer paradise for fans and for kids and whomever, it, it calls into question the artistic value, uh, I think, of the whole, the whole, the whole, fran the whole series of books at least. Because, the, you know, the movies are part and parcel with getting your own wand or getting your own action figure of Severus Snape or whatever, you know, or getting your own robe because you want to be a Ravenclaw for some Un ungodful reason. Ooh, I sense bias. <laughs> I don't. I really don't care. Um, <laughs> I think I've gotten uh, Hufflepuff twice and Slytherin twice, and I know I've gotten Ravenclaw and Gryffindor at least once. So, again, I said it earlier. Like there were so many different ways over the years that to get into these houses, that for someone to come up to me and be like, "Oh, well, you didn't do it on Pottermore, so that's not official." I'm like, dude. I literally got into the house that the sorting bloody hat wanted me to be in back when, like, the Harry Potter whatever.com was, like, this creepy dark blue and yellow teeny tiny website you could barely see because it was 2001 and computers yeah, back then yeah, were... Yeah, that was the, um, that was the Potter forums. That was the, that was the website that hackers got into and basically released all those spoilers on no th this I'm thinking, was this, I'm thinking of something else that you I, I know what you're talking about and i i've heard i've heard all about that but no th this was straight from the horse's mouth this was interesting from okay. warner brothers um like i i don't remember if my dad told my mom hey 
go to this website and let the kids play with it or whatever. But, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, you know what? A Harry Potter video game. You know what? There hasn't, I don't think there's, no, there have been, there have been Harry Potter video oh, games. Oh, there's been, there's been many. I want to say that there's been one for every movie. Mm -mm. Um, Mm -mm. No, not no. I, they they stopped Sorcerer's up to a certain Stone, point. Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, Goblet of Fire. I remember playing that one. Deadly Hallows Part One and Two, because I had those on PlayStation. Oh, okay. And because Sorcerer's Stone, that one was on like GameCube. Yeah, that one was like the that was like the two thousand one console to own. And there's Lego Harry Potter games. And like, there's Lego Harry Potter. Yeah, and I, like, but I think one through four and. Five through, I think they only went up to six because six. I, not not to go off into a whole other tangent, but I know Lego was very apprehensive about doing anything connected to Deathly Hallows because number one, just how dark Deathly Hallows mm. is, but also there's so much of it that is not like the whole idea. It's kind of the same reason. Lego had the same outlook on Harry Potter the way a lot of people do, which is, oh, it's something that kids can get invested in because they're going to school, they're learning new things, and going on adventures and growing up and all that jazz. But Deathly Hallows doesn't have that. So it's like, how do we make how do we make this fun when it's a bunch of teenagers on the run so that they don't get freaking assassinated by Wizard Hitler? Which is laughable because it's like, Lego... I mean, you, you've made so many violent Star Wars sets. I mean, for goodness sake, part of me still can't... I, I still can't get over it, but I do because I live my life, obviously. They made a Lego set of the scene in Obi-Wan when Vader drags him through the fire. <laughs> and I'm just... And mind you... Yeah, this, I was going to say, that was... Uh, yeah, show your kids that, why don't you? Believe me, my mom saw that and was like on the verge of saying, I'm done. And and mind you, this follows other Lego sets that have included burnt uh, Anakin. So, yeah, I mean, you know what? Again, the game, does it look cool? Yeah, of course. Is it kind of a too little, too late thing? Sort of. I think people that are so, having a... I think for us, it may be. Yeah. And I think it ultimately kind of goes back into the, into the main talking point of, you know, how do you be an ally while at the same time separating the art from the artist. I don't want to say disassociate necessarily, but that's kind of what we're doing because we know that we are no longer fans of this IP because we just simply grew up out of it. You know, that doesn't mean that we can't support these issues and and advocate for them, but at the same time, if we're not going to be the ones I think it's very evident that the JK Rowling we grew up with and the J.K. Rowling that newcomers to the series are growing up with, they are two different people. At least oh, one yeah. is more so in the light than the other. So yeah. as much as I don't want to say it's not our problem, it's very unfortunate that the latter has to grow up with the woman that she is now, where the parents, perhaps, of some of these kids knew her in a different way and perhaps may think is not the best thing to show to their kids now. So it, it's it's sort of jeopardized in a way. It's it's tainted. Yeah. You know, it doesn't send a good message anymore. And I love it, it was beautifully stated of what you said about, you know, being different, being different, and now 
her doubling back on that in every stretch of the imagination. But he almost can't help but disassociate and still be that advocate. You know, I don't want I don't want to say that individuals of these demographics. Oh, if they just stopped reading Harry Potter, stopped liking the IP, stopped this, stopped that, that they would feel better. Mm-hmm. Truth, be, truth be told, I think that that would probably be a clear cut solution. But of course, everyone thinks and acts differently about it. And it's going to be difficult to say goodbye to such a beloved series that did ignite that hope in the beginning. And we've had that goodbye. That's the thing. Right. Like that goodbye was in 2011. Mm-hmm. But, and... but not really, because Cursed Child and Fantastic Beasts well, and these efforts to revive yeah. this series amidst, oh, hey, by the way, J.K. Rowling's transphobic. Like, it, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if it would have ended and she would have kept her skeletons in the closet, not to say that that's a good thing that she's acting this way, but right. I think a lot of individuals um would have been spared that 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 grief mm-hmm. of that realization you know and and i think too that with just just the whole idea of you know you're you you grow up with this franchise and and you move on from it and then all all this stuff with jk rowling comes about and she sort of shows herself for who she really is I believe this was in 2021 when the 20th anniversary thing came out on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I saw it because my family being... The, because with my family, too, being big Harry Potter fans, every time... And I think this might explain, to some of my disassociation with Harry Potter as well. And it... Because it, it, it goes... I mean, e- equally, the J.K. Rowling thing is a big is a big thing that does factor in. It's also the fact that I'm older and I just, I, I've put my toys away and I want to go towards something else. Like, unlike, unlike the, like the original star Wars trilogy for me. Yeah. It's something I do associate with my childhood. The difference though, is there are still a lot of things in there that as an adult, you can go back to and enjoy and like, not just because it's something you liked as a kid, but also it's something that still for you holds up. With Harry Potter, yes, there's a lot of that stuff that can still hold up. The difference is, is that I'm 28 now, and and, and, and how we're I having, felt, and we're having a discussion which is a far cry than a discussion we probably would have had 12 years ago. Yeah, like yeah. if if you were asking me when I was 13, you mm-hmm. know what I thought about, uh, I don't know. What year was it when I was 13? Uh, <laughs> I have to think about it for a second. Listeners, I'm sorry. Um, well, Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out. I was still a sophomore in high school. So yeah, like a couple years earlier. So basically when like Order of the Phoenix came out, mm-hmm. like I, I basically would have been like, yeah, I mean, the movies, I love the movies and, and I love the fact that, I mean, it's basically what I've said all along. Like you, you grow up with these movies and you grow up with the characters now that I'm past the point from where, excluding the 19 years later thing, now that I'm well past 17, it, it makes me feel nostalgic, arguably more so than Star Wars does. It also, I mean, it, it's kind of like what, when people ask me about anything YA, or, I mean, I hate to throw it into this category, but I have to, like Catcher in the Rye. Like, there's a lot of coming-of-age stuff that just doesn't appeal to me anymore because I'm past all that. Ironically, the one coming-of-age thing I can watch and enjoy as an adult 
is uh, Itumama Tambien, which is mm -hmm. directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who directed Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is my favorite of the movies. And it's, it's my favorite, I think I've said this before, last time we talked about Harry Potter, it's my favorite of the movies simply because this was the first movie that finally took it into a different direction after two movies that, admit, I mean, Chamber of Secrets is in a lot of ways very much a carbon copy of the first film, yeah. except it's also, I mean, oh, what a I, twist. Still, I still really like Chamber of Secrets, but yeah. it, it's a different flavor of the first movie. Prisoner of Azkaban is... is That's pretty solid, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I still love Sorcerer's Stone just because I love to rag on it. it it's it's really a love-hate relationship. And also, it's just, it's colorful. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I love it. I love the child actors in it. And it's a movie that, like, the twist got me. So I, I love the mythological aspects of it. You know, I think that the Philosopher's Stone in in context, in literature, is just the most interesting damn thing on earth if it even exists it's one of those things that ranks up there with the holy grail and mm -hmm. it's like oh maybe ark of the covenant maybe you know and it's it's certainly more interesting than that resurrection stone that they bring up in the yeah. last story where you're like and i, and I still that's remember what, people arguing with me oh that's basically the sorcerer's stone and i'm like it's like no no it, sorcerer's stone it's about you still get to live in the body you're in Resurrection Stone basically gets you gets to bring you back as a corporeal ghost for like five minutes. That's what, and, and I think I was into it, and and we'll, God will finish this off because I just looked at the time. Uh, a bunch of people to that point were saying, "Oh, that that that's the stone. That's the Sorcerer's Stone. That that's how it all ties back." I'm like, mm -hmm. Dumbledore said verbatim that he destroyed it, and short of moving the plot along, which is why the word of the day is uh, MacGuffin, again, it did nothing. It did nothing akin to the mythological aspects that you that you read about in literature. And and the the canonical title of the book, I think, is called the Philosopher's Stone, not the. That's Sorcerer's what it was. Stone, that's what it? it was called in, and that's what in, it's still um, called in the United Kingdom. Yeah, you, I, you I, have you have yeah. varying titles, and you actually have the United Kingdom version published over here as well in the states so i remember for a time thinking is this two separate books or is like this two separate hmm. editions is, the, is it a new ending like what's you lack the cognition when you're a child um when all you're doing is playing with fancy sticks and <laughs> and and demon faces uh just to end it i love that movie i love the campiness of it i mm -hmm. love all the colors Prisoner of Azkaban's up there, definitely. Yeah, the first four I can st I I can still feel you don't good like the, about. You don't like Goblet of Fire, dude. Like, no, sorry, I don't. It's fun. The dragon I, that was cool. when I, and when I was young, that was my favorite of the books. I know at one point during the pandemic, I thought, well, I'll reread all of them. I never did. Yeah, it's not interesting to us anymore, and that's okay. Well, and and I think too, and this is going to this was another thing I was trying to say earlier too is like the problem to tie it in with my family and with Harry Potter is that I couldn't tell you how often these damn movies were on television back to 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 back. It, it, it annoyed me and it got to a point where I was like, guys, I don't want to watch this again. You know, it, it really did reach a point where I was like, I really don't want to feel depressed for the next four hours because there's commercials too. So I, you know, it's like, 
that's why if, if we turned around and watched one of the... Because typically it was like, okay, the er, the early movies are early in the day, so by cocktail hour, it's Order of the Phoenix or it's Deathly Hallows, and it's like, you know... It just you know, gets so depressing. Yeah, and it's like, it's... I don't want to feel like I want to end things while I'm trying to enjoy my chips dip cocktail and... Harry Potter Lego set that we're building. It's <laughs> like start. It starts off so colorful, and by the end, you're just you're, you're you may as well have put in clerks because it's just black and white. <laughs> you know, you want to talk about saturation of well, color palette? I get it that setting affects this, but like, and, and like the tone is obviously a lot more. It's dangerous, you know. It. Yeah. No, and, it I, is. and I get it, and, and believe me, when I was younger, I got it. I liked it. It was fine. Creatively, I still think it's great, but. Yeah. I mean, even the Fantastic Beasts movies toyed with it, where the second movie, which I would argue is the darkest of anything Harry Potter, even though the story was completely nonsensical and was basically a soap opera, they realized, okay, we need to capture the quote-unquote, no pun intended, magic of the first few Harry Potter films. What are we going to do? Oh, let's get the screenwriter to uh, from those movies to do... Fantastic Beasts 3, the cash grab of Dumbledore. Literally, like, one of the first things you see in the movie is this baby animal get its throat slit. And it's just like, I don't know why I fucking bother, you know? So, and yeah, I mean, yeah, Matt Mickelson is a good Grindelwald and a good replacement of Johnny Depp, but by that point, you care so little between the fact that the villain's played by somebody else, Ezra Miller's in the movie, and you're like, ugh. And everything else is nonsensical. I mean, there, there was only, like, one point that I actually liked, and that's when they, they used, um... They're, they're in... They're, it's right before the election. <laughs> it's right before... It's right before the January 6th of the Harry Potter franchise happens. <laughs> the good guys are walking through, beating up the henchmen of whoever, and one of the good guys is like, Oh, I have an idea and whips out a bunch of uh, Quidditch equipment, and a bunch of bludgers are, like, beating up the bad guys. And I'm like, okay, it took you 11 years, but you finally did something creative with something Harry Potter-related. Uh, cool. That's something I would have liked to have seen in Deathly Hallows Part 2. You used Quidditch equipment, you know, balls that could... They're literally called bludgers, and you just unleash them on the bad guys. Clever, great, awesome. Rest of the movie, garbage. I know this has gone on way too long, but I, I really just, I kind of look at it for a lot, like for a lot of people that grew up with it, who are allies and do look at J.K. Rowling for who she is. Because um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say, I'll be on record and say, like, I have no respect for her. I don't really care for her. I'm pretty sure I ever blocked on Twitter, so I don't ever have to see the filth she posts. And plus, when people do talk about her, I just, it disgusts me to no end. Just because, again, like, I've gotten into heated discussions about it with people where it's like, look, it's an open and shut case, you know. And let's face it, has she come out with anything else creative or or uh, noteworthy since Harry Potter? You know, she's written a bunch of other books, but you can only get attention because it's like, oh, the author of Harry Potter. Right, right. Who cares? You know, so, and obviously, I mean, I'm I'm hypocritical because I know there's, things down the down the line films and stuff that are sequels that do touch on the nostalgia that I'm like, oh I can't wait. 
But for the most part, I've moved on from a lot of that, and I just don't care. And it makes me bummed that, that David Lynch might never do another movie. So, um, and, and I guess we'll end it at that. And in the wise words of David Lynch, uh, we'll have uh, blue skies and sunshine all along the way. Everyone, have a great day. Mars on Life is a podcast co-hosted by Sebastian Shug, Ryan Mancini, Andrew Martinez, and Matt Fernandez. If you like this episode, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite shows, as Mars on Life is available on Anchor, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Audible, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podchaser. Find us on Instagram at Mars on Life Show to keep up with the latest news, episodes, and gratuitous updates on the Red Planet. Have a question, comment, or request? Email us at marsonlife at gmail.com and we'll promptly get back to you. This show's artwork, titled Happy Mars, was drawn by Zachary Urbrick. Our show's regular intro and outro music is Space Explorers by the one and only Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening, and always remember, if you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. Mars.